Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, men who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode 64 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. Today I've got an awesome guest on with me. His name is Adam Hindley. He's also known as the Movement and Mobility Guy over on Instagram. So we our paths crossed fairly recently at a um, sober, oh what was it called? <laughs> sober booze cruise right? Uh, and I had an amazing conversation with him and I wanted to bring him on and what he does is he kind of, he, he bridges the gap between physios and PTs. So when you've got injuries, he helps you to kind of like lose that fear behind the training so that you can show up and continue to do what you want to do without having that that fear. Adam, welcome to the show, dude. Thank you for having me, mate. And perfect intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I think it's great as well. Uh, like as a guy, uh, as we would actually just before we came on to this recording, like I was saying about how health's one of my top values. And I can remember ever since about, I don't know, 14, 15, when I first joined my gym, like my goal was always to have a six pack. And <laughs> I'm still not actually materialized that goal, but I'm like, I'm fucking so much closer than I ever used to be. Right. And for me, like I, I, I did what you probably see all the time, right. Overtraining, like, did my uh what's that one in your shoulder called uh, rotator cuff yeah like the rotator cuff but the thing up there and like just completely overloaded it and spazzed it out basically and <laughs> was injured for ages and just like always had this relationship of, like doing it not doing it doing it not doing it and, yeah. and so it's great like what you do just be able to show like you don't have to just stop what you're doing yeah no it's it's a big thing for me is that I imagine it like building a house. Like if you've got poor foundations, no matter how big you build your house, if the foundations are rubbish, it will fall down eventually. So it's like, it's making sure that your foundations are nice and strong through maybe the injury rehab, through rethinking how you move your body in specific ways to then build a house with strong foundations and then a big house, strong house on top of it. And a lot of the time people go to build the house without checking the foundations in a sense when it comes to, um, when it comes to it, especially in the gym and with exercise, it's like they'll go full steam ahead, which is which is great because people get motivated. They're getting in the gym, they're moving, but a lot of the time, the way people move the body doesn't give to longevity, and that's the big thing for me. It's, I want to help people have longevity when they're in the gym. I want them to be able to move for the rest of their life. Like I hate it when people say, "Oh, I, I used to be able to do that. Can't do that anymore. It's my age." It's like, okay, there's a slight little factor when it comes to age, but at the end of the day, if you're moving your body and you're looking after your body in the right ways, then I've had, I've had a 92 year old was my oldest client. I've taken into the gym. So it's like, (laughs) it's like you, you, your body adapts to the stimuluses that you give it. And if you're giving it the right stimuluses, it will adapt in the right way and you will be able to look after your body a lot much more in the longer term. Yeah. That's so cool. And actually, that's where I'm at now, right? Like, so all of those years where I've been joining the gym, not joining the gym, it's like because I had the intention of going there and like getting big, right? But my 
goal has changed like for me now like it's not really about getting big it's about having longevity because like you you hear all these studies all the time like i think it's you know like maybe you can elaborate for me but like in our 50s or 60s like our muscle mass starts deteriorating right so that's why when we see people who are like in their 70s like they're often hunched over and they've shrunk and all mm. stuff like that so for me my goal shifted like yes i'd love to have my six pack still but it also it's about like what i want my life to be like in the future like i don't want to be hunched over using walking sticks like reliant on mobility scooters and all of the things like i want to be able to have that muscle mass still and that doesn't mean i have to be massive so for me it's like now i'm i'm more than happy just to use like much lower lower weights and actually mm -hmm. using the lower weights gets you bigger if you mm. like if you're doing it in the right way right like if you're using that concentration yeah. and proper form and all of that stuff as well so yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff i've thrown around on like social media and about nutrition and about exercise and how to exercise and if you want to build muscle you need to lift heavy weights and things like that and for the average person who is maybe new to the gym doesn't really go to the gym you get something that we're called newbie gains so you just yeah. you'd go to the gym you'd start lifting your body starts adapting to the stimuluses that you're giving it which is really important because your body's your body's amazing in that sense if you sit and do nothing your body will adapt to that and it will lose range of motion it will become tighter you'll lose strength but if you're actually exercising and you're doing different things your body will adapt to that as well so whatever you're doing in your life, your body will adapt to. So if you are moving, you are exercising, and especially if you're starting to go to the gym a little bit more, you will put on muscle, you will, because your body needs to adapt because you're giving it that stimulus that it needs. So the, it's amazing the fact that the body can adapt in the ways that it does. So if you utilize that by moving in the correct way, then that's the most important thing because so many people spend the day sat at a computer and then slumped over rounded shoulders and things like that and then they'll go to the gym and they'll train chest as like a common <laughs> thing for a guy yeah. and you're promoting that poor positioning that you've been sat in all day rather than thinking about kind of okay where are my shoulder blades at where are my movement at? and I'm, i know this it, it can all get quite complicated but it's simple when you when you break it down and you work on things like a little bit at a time but if you start to move your body in the correct way, your body will start to adapt in it the right way. And that's the best way to get longevity because the, the stats and the statistics that you were potentially talking about before is um, the study done on when people retire mm. and how they they retire from their job and their physical abilities just deteriorates massively, especially if they're in like a manual job because your body is now adapting to the new stimulus of you not doing that work, you not doing that job that you've done your entire life. So when you get to that age of retirement age kind of thing, then your body, oh, I'm not working anymore. I'm not lifting scaffolding around all the time. So now your body's going to not be as strong. It's not going to need as much range of motion. It's not going to need as much movement because you're not doing that anymore because your body adapts to them stimuluses. Whereas yeah. if you start doing different forms of exercise, then that's fine. Like my my dad retired and then he, he sits in his fishing bank or he sits on the sofa. It's like, no wonder your hips saw. <laughs> like you, you, you've just not got, you've not got that kind of um, movement and adapt it. You need to give your body that movement to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's funny actually, because like one of my beliefs is like when, when, and 
from experience, like seeing like my granddad retire and other people's like when you retire, you get old because of exactly what you've just said, right? Like you're probably chances are you're not going to be as active, like physically moving around anymore, but also like mentally, like if you're just going to like change and just sit in front of the telly all day, for example, like your brain's not getting that same stimulus that it needs also because our, mm. our, we're like, we're designed to, to move to, yeah. to grow. Right. Like that is part of, like the human experience so yeah awesome and and this is why i wanted to get you on a show right because it wasn't always like this for you was it right like no no oh no um yeah. like yeah like like you you kind of like a little bit touched on it there about kind of like the mental side of um the fitness and health and like it says it in in the word emotion it's mm. got the motion in there like movement yep. like I believe in there's there's a uh, like there's two there's two what I like to call habit loops and the habit loops are you exercise you you're really not motivated you're not in a good space you exercise and you feel a bit better because you've exercised it makes you want to eat better and you go for the good food choices and because the stomach's directly linked to our brain with the foods that we consume that puts you in a better headspace because you're in a better headspace you want to exercise again when you exercise, you want to eat better food, blah, blah, blah. we go around into the, the, the positive habit loop. And then we can split off into the negative habit loop. And this is where like the more of a poor mental health will come into play, the self-loathing, the self-doubt, the procrastination. And that's exactly the loop. You go into the procrastinate. Maybe I'll go to the gym later. And then you go to self-loathing, which is like, oh, I should have gone. Why the hell didn't I even go? And then you go into the self um, the self-doubt of being like, probably can't even do it anyway. Like, why am I even bothering? And then you procrastinate yeah. again and you go into that negative habit loop. You can break out of the lo each loop at any point, but it's recognizing where you are in a particular loop at a particular moment of time and going, how can I make the shift or how can I continue in this positive loop is, um, is such a, a, a big thing for me because I often found when I was working with clients, I had this one in particular that I was treating for about two months. And this was early on in my physio career. And she wasn't getting better and then I talked to her about her home life and she was really stressed with work and a job and things like that and then I talked to her a little bit about some things about helping manage that and helping manage how she was sat sat when she was at work and stuff and she came back and she felt great like the next week and it was like okay well this emotional state is manifesting and getting into your and is affecting your physical state so it's it's amazing how we need to look at everything more holistically and look at the whole person rather than just the movement, the exercise, the injury. There's so much more to it to actually think about. Yeah. As well. It's the same with, with alcohol as well, right? Like sometimes we mm -hmm. we come and I work with my guys and we're like we we'll look at like the the they're drinking, right? Like trying to change the habit from there. But really the most powerful place to do it is like, why are you drinking in the beginning in the first place? Right. And often it's because of stress or things like mm -hmm. that. So it's like understanding like, okay, so what is happening through your day whereby you're creating your own stress. And from yeah. there, like then we start to change how the day looks and then the evening will start to change as a byproduct anyway. So yeah, definitely yeah. looking at it from a holistic approach is a really good method so before you became a personal trainer like you you shared a story with me when we were on the no booze cruise about your own like because there's two 
two things I'd love to talk to you about today. And that is like your journey in terms of alcohol and changing your relationship to it, but also your weight as well. So perhaps if you want to like tell the guys about that for me, man, that'd be cool. Yeah, of course, of course. So I've um, grown up, I've always had issues with um, with binge eating and um, something that I'm managing a lot better now, a hell of a lot better. But I don't think that these things go away. I think mm. that you've, you you just learn to manage them better and I'm in a good place with it. I'm in a good place with it right now. But um, And I think it, it comes from kind of a hereditary style of thing. And I think that a lot of men deal with this, but they don't realise that they're actually dealing with this because... When I grew up, my mum was always always like, oh, finish your plate. You're not going to get any dessert until you've yeah. cleaned your plate kind of thing. And I think it's 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 fine. It's fair enough. But then she only does that because her mum did that. Like my mum is one of nine siblings or one of 10 siblings even. So it's like for them, there wasn't as much food going around. So they needed to eat everything. And then, but her mum probably did that again because that'll have been like wartime and they were on food rations yeah so now even though we have food in abundance we've still been like finish your play and kind of then been rewarded for overeating by giving okay well you cleaned your plate you can have dessert kind of thing yeah so it's like rather than letting kids when they're growing up be eat when and stop when they're full we're like rewarding them to eat more and to overeat in that sense there and i believe that this kind of thing it's like it's not no one's fault but that was a, a thing that kind of triggered it for me and then growing so growing up I always kind of fluctuated my weight a little bit and then uh, I was in a relationship between being um six, late 16 to about 1920 ish and when at one of these one of the points in the relationship I'd put on a fair bit of weight and I'd kind of been into that part of the cycle and I'm actually in in bed with my girlfriend at the time doing the deed. And she turned to me and said that, well, she started crying. And obviously we stopped and I wondered why she was crying. And then she was saying that she didn't find me physically attractive anymore. And obviously as an 18-year-old guy, when you hear that, it's like a knife in the chest. And that hurts yeah, a lot. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this really kick-started um, kind of a, like it wasn't, there's no hard feelings with a girl, by the way. It's like obviously we were together for a bit after that as well. That wasn't the that wasn't like an issue that ended the relationship or anything. It was just something that that happened that needed addressing and needed to be worked through. And um I started exercising a lot more. I went to the gym, but what I found is that I just I almost changed my emotional attachment. So the emotional attachment that I had for food would now be on excessive exercise and dieting. Yeah. So I'd lose the weight, I'd gain the weight. I'd lose the weight, I'd gain the weight. And this continued into university life. And university's life is where I kind of really started drinking a hell of a lot more, um, as most people probably do. And um, I found, obviously, that the drinking then leading to eating takeaways and all that kind of thing is I'd find that, in turn, when I was at uni, I'd put on about two stone, and then in the breaks, like the two months break that you had around Christmas and then Easter and then the summer, I would lose that because I'd changed. My, I'd keep just shifting my emotional attachments from binge eating and drinking loads to um, uh, to like the exercise and the dieting. So I knew what to do to lose weight. I had the knowledge. I had the um, the experience of doing it. 
but I just wasn't like applying it in the longer term in a sustainable way. And yes, that has a lot to do with the environment and the time that I was at, because I was at university, I was enjoying myself and then kind of things. But it was when I finished university that it started to get a lot worse because the drinking continued and the binge eating continued, but I didn't really have that kind of shift the other way around that I think shift back to the exercise science side of things. So uh, when I finished uni, I ended up putting on our about, I'd say about five and a half stone overweight of where I wanted to be really, which is a considerable amount really. And that was when there's a picture actually that's on my Instagram. You might have to scroll down a little bit, but I think I showed you this on the boat party where I'm sat, my hair's a mess, really long. I look overweight and I'm actually holding a bottle of wine with a straw in it, like just straw pedo in a bottle of wine, which was a, a regular occurrence, a regular thing that I do. And I think you can kind of see the look in my eyes in that picture of being like, I am done with this. I am so done with this. And that was the that was the moment that I kind of realized that, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not putting my body through this. I'm not doing that anymore. And then um over over the next 18 months, I lost five stone uh and competed in a bodybuilding competition. So I went from one extreme to the other and uh stepped on stage. I was about 110, 11 kilos when I started and I was 80 when I stepped on stage at um the bodybuilding show. So in 18 months, I lost a ridiculous amount of weight. And again, probably not in the healthiest way. I would say that that was more of that emotional attachment shift mm. that, that really happened. And I thought I'd fixed the binge eating. I thought I'd fixed everything else. But then the day after the bodybuilding competition, I ate 10,000 calories. So it's like, oh, that gosh. is not an easy feat to do. And I only realized that the day afterwards when I added up everything that I had that was a lot of food, but that because I've restricted myself for so long that I had the one big binge. And that was a moment where I realized that I just, I hadn't sorted out the mindset shift towards it. Yeah. So I thought, thought about working out the mindset and working around the, um, the understanding of why I'm doing these things in a different way. My emotional attachments to certain things, they were really key and they were really important to actually making lasting change. And that was something that I was really, um, really passionate about is making that change in my head about what it is now. And I found that a big thing for me was now I don't focus on the number, like the number on the scale or anything like that. I focus on my performance, focus on how I'm moving, focus on my mobility. I focus on um, the numbers that I'm lifting in the gym and give myself like an external goal to work towards. And my body just becomes a byproduct and I'm really happy with it at the minute. It's really good. So like, that's how I've changed my mindset and changed my shift towards it as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, what a journey, man. And it's so true. Like that restriction and deprivation, like you, you feel like you're on top of it, but then like the day after the event, like <laughs> your brain's like, I can, I can eat whatever the fuck I want now. And yeah. 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 It's, it's, and I, I, I've been there, mate. And there's probably tons of guys listening to this who can totally resonate with it as well. Mm. I'm actually reading, read a book whilst, well, I've literally, when I was on holiday, right? Like I was eating ice creams, you know, holiday mentality and all that mm. stuff. But like 
I know that they're not good for me and I didn't want to continue doing it. And I, I'm also very aware like of my binge mentality sometimes still as well. Right. Like obviously mm. I've, I've done the work on alcohol, but with food, sometimes it still shows up. And for all of the reasons you said as well, man, like that conditioning we get when we're younger, like eat all the food on your plate. Like it's, it, think of the children in Africa as one of the things that <laughs> my parents used to say to me, right. Like who can't eat mm. today. So we are almost like, guilted into eating that food and you know it only takes a couple of generations to go back and to see like actually food literally was life or death but we're kind of like left with this um what's it called like generational trauma if you like <clears throat> and mm -hmm. so i got back and i said to my partner like like i really want to stop eating sugar all of the, not all of the time that's a massive over exaggeration but like, i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to just be eating sugar because i know that when i eat sugar i want to eat more sugar in the same way that when we have alcohol we want to have more alcohol like we the more we do something the more we want it anyway i sat next to this lady on the plane and she was reading a book called the the glucose goddess i think it's called um and it's amazing like it's fascinating to read it <clears throat> about how literally like i was just saying like the more we do something the more that we want it but she was saying how we can there's some like little hacks that we can do right to change that relationship it was like before you eat carbs is to make sure you eat your like fiber foods and protein food first because then mm. the glucose spike isn't as big and that glucose spike is what then causes us to want to creates cravings or to want to eat more food or like then we have those lower dips in terms of our energy and stuff like that so yeah, yeah I, I don't know i thought i'd just share that because i thought it was really cool yeah, yeah. no I, I think it's it is it's it's really good and obviously nutrition is not my i know a lot about it because of what i've been through but it's not my like um qualified area in a sense but um yeah it's massive and something for a lot of people that is really common and key is that they don't get enough fiber and fiber is something that helps your body regulate them sugar spikes. It regulates the absorption of sugar in the right way. That's why like fruit juices that have like removed all the pulp and all that kind of stuff are really bad for you because fruit, when it's like that, is just sugar. But when you actually eat fruit, you get the fiber with the the actual the actual pulp bits that you you're actually eating. So that bit's the fiber. So that helps you absorb the sugar in the best way and get all the nutrients out of it rather than when you get rid of all of that and you just have the juice you're just basically drinking pure sugar so even though it's orange juice it's you're not getting your body's not absorbing it in the right way because you're not using you're not having the full fruit on in itself there which is um i found really interesting <laughs> yeah no, me, me too and i kind of knew it but i pretended not to know it and like one of the things I took from this book is that like, there's no such thing as good and bad sugar. Like sugar is sugar, right? Like no matter mm. if it's sugar coming from fruit or whether it's sugar coming from like refined stuff that we get. But yeah, like fruit juices, you're literally just drinking liquid sugar. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's just like interesting to know that like that is part of like that binge mentality is because like we start withdrawing from those things and then like it creates more desire to to want them as well. Yeah. And so what what I'm kind of comes up for me is like it's about creating trust in ourselves, right? Like beginning to recognize like when we've had enough to eat, but also like trust in our own bodies and, and, and what it's capable of. So what 
what do you do with guys around that right like so they come to you with injuries and think that they can't do anything like where do you go yeah so the the main thing at first is that it's always about building trust building trust in me that they understand the exercises that i'm giving them they understand the the advice that i'm giving them is right and it's building trust in their body again as well especially the areas that are injured so um i had a guy recently who is really bad really bad uh tennis elbow and he hurt his elbow and he couldn't train anything that he wanted to do in the gym and I give him some variations of exercises where he could target the muscle groups that he wanted to target, but he had to do the exercises slightly differently. And at first, his first session trying them, he was really apprehensive. And I was like, look, you, I'm, there's no expectations on this first session. It's if it's if you've got one kilo weights, or you're doing it just with your just with no weight at all, then it's absolutely fine. But just try these variations and see how it feels. And then by the end of the session, he's like, oh, that were amazing because I started moving. I was moving. I got a, a pump. I got a, um, I felt the area that I wanted to feel. And I was worried about losing this because I couldn't train it. And then, but now I'm feeling a lot more confident to train in this way. And that's the whole point of what I, what I do. There's a million and one different exercises for a million and one different body parts. It's like you, the variations of how you do it can be very complicated. Can You can make it complex. You can make it simple to each person, but if you want to hit your chest and you've got a bad elbow, then doing a chest press is going to kill you. It's going to be <laughs> horrible. But there's a lot of other variations of that exercise that can help benefit you in a, in a, in a good way and give you the, the kind of stimulus to the muscle that you want to make sure that it's adapting in the right way. But it's all about building trust in yourself and trust in your body and trust in the process. And I think there's a lot to be said about just that trust that you have um in the other areas like for myself i was trusting the process that if i kept training how i was and i kept uh, dieting the way i was i would look the particular way to step on stage i was trusting in myself that i knew that actually post-show when i'd done a little bit of work around my mindset towards food and things like that, that it's like okay well i trust the process now if i know that focusing on the number on the scales is going to bring me anxiety and bring me worry if I focus on my performance in the gym and how I'm moving, that's going to give me a lot less worry. So I'm going to trust the process of this is the right thing for me to do. And then if you constant, like if you're constantly thinking about that, do I trust this process and you find something that does work for you, then I think it is really, really powerful and it can give you a lot of benefit. Yeah. Nice. The, the challenge I, I I find with myself sometimes and like what you were explaining with that guy is like when we are introduced to doing something new, like we might have a lot of thoughts about it. So like your man might have been in the gym and he might be doing something that he, you know, like he might have a lot of judgments. He's like, it's not enough mm. weight or that's something that girls do or I'm going to look stupid yeah. doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like we this, this mental story start building up and then like we almost like resist the thing that will help us because it doesn't fit in with how we think it I'm doing quote unquote here, like yeah. should be done. Right. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I completely understand. And I completely get that. But it's like the same with dieting. You find that as soon as you say that you're going to be on a yeah. diet, then you're hungry all the time. And like, you're um, like you, you're craving foods that you don't normally crave because you've said to yourself that you're not allowed to have them. And everybody, yeah. all, we all know that we want what we can't have kind of thing. So when you're telling yourself that you're not going to have it, then it's it's a lot harder to do in that way but 
Um, and the same thing comes with exercise. Like you can't bench press. It's like <laughs> you all you want to do is go and bench press kind of thing when you go to the gym. But it's like that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what people are paid. That's what they pay me for for my service. It's my knowledge about doing the exercises like that. And it comes back to that trust. If you haven't built enough trust in me to get you the result that you want, then or I haven't shown you that you can trust me to get you the result that you want then there's something wrong. And I like to think that I'm very good at putting the things that people need to understand into layman's terms so they can really understand it and they can get the grasps of it and get grips of it. But it comes back to the trust. I think that people won't do that level of exercise. They'll have that kind of resentment or that anxiety around doing the certain exercises in the gym because you might look like a girl or whatever. <laughs> or, or you might... Um, which I don't believe in, by the way. Any exercise, anybody. No, no, do I, I, I just feel like that's <laughs> some of the conditioning that we, yeah, we have yeah. and like judgments that we like use to limit ourselves. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I think building trust in yourself is so, so important. Whether it's like losing weight, whether it's putting on weight, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's stopping drinking alcohol or changing your relationship to alcohol mm. and kind of like linking back to what you were saying about those different habit loops is that when you find yourself in that habit loop where you say you're going to do something, then you break that promise to yourself. Then you beat yourself up for breaking that promise to yourself. Right. Like mm. that is a surefire way to, to like destabilize that trust in yourself. And it's yeah. very uh, indulgent almost because like there's a payoff to it right like because whenever i'm i've found myself beating myself up for drinking or doing gear or overeating like it creates more negative emotion in me and that's the thing that i'm trying to escape from in the first place like i didn't necessarily know that at the time but like now i'm mm. very aware of it like so i can pause it pause for a second i'm like what's going on here like why why do i why do i feel the need to like drink or not that i drink but like if i did yeah. why do i feel the need to drink or why do i think that eating 10 snickers bars is going to make me feel better and maybe it will but like i can guarantee afterwards <laughs> it's not yeah yeah no and it's this thing that i started to started to use it'd be like before i'd go into the fridge for anything I'd, I'd pause for 10 seconds and just no expectations in the pause but you tend to go to a point of going um uh, what what am I here for this or why do I want this um yeah do I really need it uh, no, oh probably not I probably won't have it and then like just giving yourself rather than acting on that instinct having that having that pause and yeah I do the same around meals like often obviously if you eat a meal and then you feel oh, not not even touch the sides that just give it 10 minutes. If you're still hungry in 10 minutes, then go back and, and have it. Like, but if you if you're not and you feel a lot more, lot more satisfied, it takes time to your body to register and adapt to it and stuff like that. So um they were they were big things for me, just kind of taking a pause, taking a breath, and asking myself the question, not what's best for me right now, because if we ask what's what's best for you, you might get like <laughs> the answer of, oh yeah, that's that's yeah. that's yeah <laughs> that definitely what's best for me right now like a pint will definitely relax me that kind of thing but it's like what's healthiest for me right now is a much better question yeah. um because you you kind of get into the point of yes i need what's best for me but i need to do it in the healthiest way yeah so, and that, um, it, it, it's, it's those questions that we ask ourselves isn't it like they're so so key so fundamental and i love that you pulled that because like 
totally your brain might decide in the moment yes let's let's go after the fucking dopamine right because that's what's mm. going to change how we feel but actually like what what what's the most what's going to be the healthiest option like how am i going to feel 10 minutes after eating or drinking this right like really then you can kind of give yourself that space just to to mm. step back and 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 every time you do that you're developing trust in yourself trust in your yeah. body like slowing down a minute to recognize like i'm am i actually hungry or is there something happening in my working day that i'm just like i need mm. to shake off somehow but yesterday yeah. right like i played golf uh, I had breakfast before I left and I played golf. So I didn't like from, from eating breakfast, I didn't eat for about six hours. So I didn't take anything with me and I was actually fine. Like I wasn't noticing I was, I was too hungry, but then when I got home and, and dinner was ready, like you would just say, like all of a sudden I found myself like eating really fast and I got halfway through and I was like, Whoa, I just, just stop for a minute, man. Like actually slow down and enjoy your food. Like I'm not going to die. Like eating isn't mm. life or death. And I think that's what happens sometimes is like we go into survival mode effectively yeah yeah no 100 no, like um it's it is like to say if you're going back to what you mentioned before about that kind of generational thing if you go back like thousands of years it's like cavemen don't know where their next food's coming from so if you yeah. are in like that um fasted state or in like a, a mode where you are really hungry you probably will overeat and you probably will eat more than what your body needs because it is genetically yeah in in our it's just a genetical part of our body so again for me it always comes to that point of smaller portions in the first place a smaller plate in the first place or eating out of tupperware even if i've meal prepped and then 10 minutes if i'm still hungry then I'll go and have some more. But if you don't give it that opportunity, that chance to settle, then you, you're never going to really know. But um, but yeah, no, I find it, it is it is very interesting how like just different situations can formulate different habits for people. Yeah. And, and you know, like that's like what I do as a coach and I'm sure what you do as well is like we, instead of like using it against us, like to start creating awareness around mm. your behaviors, your actions, like being curious, like, oh, what, what happened in like the hour or the few hours leading up to this point where I overdrank or I overeat, for example, because like in there is information that like yeah. we can begin to start learning about ourselves, start learning about our cues, our triggers, for example. Mm. And that, and that's where the trust comes, right? Like, because then you yeah. can start seeing like, okay, so when something like this happens, I know that my brain goes here. So next time I'm just going to like pause, for example. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, I, I love the, the method of, um, I can't remember what it's actually called. I think it's in uh, Atomic Habits, but it's like a, a habit breaker. So say uh, it's drinking alcohol. Um, instead of having the alcohol in the place where you normally have it, say the fridge or the cupboard or whatever, you put it somewhere else that's a bit obscure to get to. And then every time you go to that, yeah, every time you go to the place where the alcohol usually is, you can track it and you can go like, oh, yeah, I've gone gone to that or like great ones for social media instead of putting the social media file on the front page of your phone put it on like the back page of your phone if you don't want to use social media as much yeah because you'll find yourself going to where it was and then you you put in a breaker in place so that you can create that awareness so rather than going straight to the habit you'll be like oh yeah I moved it oh but that's why I moved it so you can actually like track it a little bit better and things like that 
And I think it's a, a great way. No, it doesn't really matter what the habit is. If it is alcohol, if it's social media, if it's dieting, whatever, you just move the, you put something in place that's going to give an obstacle to get into it. Because as soon as you hit the obstacle, then you'll be like, okay, oh, well, now I can track it or now I can be aware that I was doing it. And then you can start to build that awareness, which I think is like the most important word in self-development is yeah. you need to bring awareness to something before you can change it. So um, having that awareness, like I say, it didn't. It took me until after the bodybuilding show, the day after the bodybuilding show to realize that my mindset and my my mental health towards food and exercise hadn't been fixed or hadn't shifted or I hadn't really done any work towards it. I just kind of avoided it. But as soon as I brought the awareness to it was when I could really start to make impactful change for myself. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and that's, that's the key right there is, you know, yes, make changes in your life, like stop drinking, changing your diet and all of that. But like when we actually do the work in between, it's going to make it so much more sustainable. And that's what I love about what I do is because I don't want guys to feel like they're being deprived for the rest of their life, not being able to drink alcohol, for example. Like I want them to, to actually see that they can have just as much fun afterwards. Yes, they might go to bed a little bit earlier, but you know, mm. it can be just as good without alcohol. But for as long as we're feeling we can't have something, as long as we feel restricted, like it, it's like putting a, a pan of water on the stove, right? And turning on the gas, but leaving the lid on. Like you can't see it happening, but it's it's bubbling, it's getting hotter, and until eventually the lid's gonna pop off, right? And that's kind of yeah, like how yeah. I, I feel like with in my in my past, like with binging and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean I I found that with with alcohol myself, like when a, a big part of my weight loss journey was was cutting out alcohol. And um, like I say, it's not the fact that I'm not complete i don't like saying the word sober but it's not like i'm completely alcohol free now but it's like i do have the occasional drink but i needed that time to reset my relationship with it mm. i needed the time to have a period where i didn't really drink at all to rethink my rethink what my relationship was with alcohol and what my attachment to it was and then because then I couldn't have one or two. It would be a, a binge for an, a full night out. It would be a four in the clock, five o'clock in the morning kind of deal. Sometimes even longer. But it'd be like the that point is really important. But it, it everyone's different. Everyone has their own their own kind of shift with it. Some people can't go back to it when they've had a break. They need to just not not have it. Some people don't want to. And again, it's absolutely fine. But I think sometimes that. Um, just having that break and having that time away from it gives you that opportunity to really th rethink your relationship with it. And if it is something that you feel like you can manage better and you've got a bit, again, trust and honesty with yourself about that to, to understand where, you, where you're, you're at and where your headspace is at with it. And, um, and for me, it's like, I don't, I don't, drink a lot, but the occasional time that I do, I don't feel bad. I don't feel guilty for doing it. But again, that comes with that relationship with yourself, the work with yourself and the um, the trust that you need to build with yourself, which yeah. takes time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's I call it the three P's of sobriety, right? It's like planning, practice and patience. Mm. You know, it's, it's not, when we're in a rush to do something, you know, like 
it brings that energy with it and often it doesn't go the way we want but like when we can slow things down like build that trust in yourself like have patience that it's going to happen no matter what like that's mm-hmm. when we, we we really find sustainable change all right dude mm-hmm. so awesome man like i think we've covered some really great points we've been like looking at foundations we've been looking at creating healthy habits for yourself about emotional attachment and also trust has been like a key theme through this mm. is there anything else that you'd like to offer the guys out there around anything that we've discussed today um yeah so uh, what i do is uh, if anyone's interested in any of my kind of physio pt services and things like that i do what i call um, a free physical health screening so um i can fire the link over for this but basically cool. it's a uh, um you follow a youtube video it's a red amber green system and you basically go through the full body and you, you test your mobility out and then you give me uh, a little bit of a back history about any injuries that you have and i can give you some advice on um how to improve how to change things how to start moving better and how to again build that longevity and trust in your body for the longer term um so if someone is interested in that then uh find me a message on instagram and we can get that get that all sorted and set up for you um but yeah Main main points of contact really, like I say, is Instagram and um yeah, no, main main one's Instagram for the minute, really. So just Adam underscore hindley and we'll go from there. All right, awesome. I do the question I like to ask all my guests is what did it mean to be radically human for you? I love that question. Um for me it's living in your true authenticity. So being authentic, living how you want to live and um and yeah n- not letting not letting external influences whether that's people whether that's environments um influence your choices or your decisions mm. nice yeah it's true and <laughs> not always the easiest thing to do right because like we have all this people pleasing about what other people are going to say when we do what we want but ultimately mm. guys like this is your one and only life so yeah what you got to do all right adam thanks so much for coming on the show mate absolute pleasure cheers guys thanks for listening if you want to find out more about working with me and seeing how i can help you stop drinking and start showing up in life the way that you really want visit patrickjfox.com to find out more or book a free consultation using the link in the show notes until next time take care